0: Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for A Cup of Happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. Today's guest is a super successful entrepreneur, author, cook, and advocate for plant-based living. She overcame her fair share of physical and mental struggle on the way to founding her Deliciously Ella brand. We talk about the pros and cons of opening up to others during challenging times, finding our purpose and taking small steps to get over the drama life inevitably throws at us. Here she is, Ella Mills. Hi Ella. Hello, how are you? I'm good, lovely. How are you doing? Very, very good. Thank you. I've been listening to you, chatting to everyone like, oh, that, what a lovely voice you have. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Have you ever done radio?
1: I haven't actually. And do you know what? I've actually, I, um, I would get a bit self-conscious whenever I can hear myself speak on anything. So it's very nice to hear. Thank you. You know
0: what? I get the same thing. I'm used to hearing my voice back singing. But then when I hear it back talking, I think, oh, my God. I wish I was at home because I have a um, cooking book of yours that I was going to make something from before I spoke to you, but I never got there because stupid flights and bits and bobs, so I'm kind of stuck over here for a few more days. But being that we're on the subject of happiness, what would be your choice of something to cook for you that you enjoy the most to cook? Not about eating or anything, just your experience. That's such a
1: great question. It's it's really interesting if you think about cooking for the process of cooking versus cooking for the process of kind of sharing the food for other people or for yourself. Do you know what? I think in that case, it would probably be baking because it's just the smells, isn't it? Like, yeah. like a banana bread or something. First mm. of all, what well, everything we do is vegan. And I think the best thing about vegan baking is that you can eat the whole batter without worrying about um, oh. the fact that you're eating loads of raw eggs, which is good. Um, so nice. like a kind of chocolate chip banana bread, but or, I just don't think you can beat the smell there's a com- just something about it that's just complete heaven and kind of completely transforms your whole house.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I kind of like the stress of baking as well—the kind of if you get it wrong, kind of thing.
1: I know. I completely agree. It's actually, <laughs> like, and it's, oh, this is exciting. We've been sharing recipes for about eight years, and I don't mm. worry at all about savoury recipes because you know, I always, it especially matter. yeah, and and our focus is trying to make it easy, and so you know, they're relatively simple, and I just you know, within reason, I don't think you can get it that wrong. Whereas no, yeah, true. if you're baking, you know, like a three layered cake, mm. it can go really, really wrong. And um, I do kind of have this kind of, yeah, never ending fear of, of people baking. And it's one of those things as well. In, in a savory recipe, you know, if you're making a stir fry and you switch broccoli for beans or something again it's probably not going to make any difference whereas if you start swapping things out and baking it just goes so Mm. wrong and it's um yes one of my one of my permanent fears
0: you know I made a um a wedding cake for my sister with my mum wow and it was it was so beautiful and it tasted so bad it was the worst thing I think I've ever tasted really we yes because we we decided not to make the cake from scratch because we didn't trust our our skills. Cuz you know, one cake's one thing, but like you say, making a layered like a tiered cake, there was five tiers to this bloody thing. And we thought, right, let's get a packet of like I don't know, it was lemon sponge or something. And we're just going to do it by packets in my mum's little oven. Well, it just didn't work out. Like all the, the sponges had like hard bits in the middle. So we threw away so much cake. I was like, no, mum, we can't. It's it's my sister's wedding.
1: And, oh, my um, God. Did she it like it? It was horrendous.
0: No, it was awful. But it looked beautiful. Like we had lovely sugar flowers and lace and all this. We just didn't want anyone to eat it. No one ever does at a wedding anyway, though, do they, really? Good point. Yeah, exactly. Well, I saw loads of cake all over the place, not eaten. I think I know why. Thought that counts. (laughs) Yeah. We made it on a, um, obviously, a flat table at home. And then we drove it to the venue, which was in a festival in this field that was slanted. Oh, my God. Pop it on the table, yeah, and the top, obviously. It just almost fell off. Oh, my God, the stress, my stomach. Oh, when I get stressed, I feel like my stomach does a weird acid thing where it makes me want to puke. So you enjoyed the wedding then? It was horrible. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, the cake. And that brings me on to our gut health, which I think you know a lot about. Stress is not good for us, is it? As far as our health... It's so interesting. I,
1: I came at our kind of health and well-being initially just through food and, and that was what I was interested in. I'd been very unwell for a while. and um,
0: Oh yeah, I heard about that.
1: Yeah, I was very interested in whether changing my diet would have an impact, especially because I had a lot of stomach problems. And mm. I, over the last kind of, yeah, eight years or so, I've learned so much about health as a kind of much more like a 360 approach and, and the impact that has obviously on our mental health and our you know, happiness as a result and our overall well-being. And I think it's so interesting. There are just some common threads that everybody you speak to, every expert in every field comes up with. And stress is definitely such a huge part of it. And there's obviously so much of it in the world we live in today. But again, it's been quite interesting this year. Obviously, there's been lots of stress for lots of reasons. And obviously, Mm. it's a challenging time for lots of people. But then I think on the flip side, a lot of people have really enjoyed that slightly slower pace of life that's allowed us to kind of maybe tune in on the little things a little bit more by not commuting, for example.
0: Yeah, right. And being in nature. Exactly. When do you think was the calmest time? If you could pick a decade?
1: I don't know. I mean, I have found, honestly, I have found the last like two months really, really calm now that we're kind of in the swing of the way that we're living. Our new life. Yeah. Mm. And actually... I've really enjoyed having so much time at home and feeling like we have permission to have time at home. You know, it's not, I think normally you kind of feel like a little bit guilty, you know, I should be doing things, I should be out, I should be about. And actually I think we've kind of given ourselves permission to just like enjoy being at home. And, you know, I got really into, obviously everyone's coronavirus f- coronavirus favourite of sourdough baking. and oh, I really yeah, that
0: en- was a bit of a fad,
1: wasn't it? Oh my God, I honestly was like the ultimate like cliche of it.
0: <laughs> don't you have to make like a little like a little Herman or something
1: yeah you've got to have a mother yeah um, and you really have to tend to your mother and um, give your mother a lot of TLC and I became completely fixated and I'd be like literally carrying my mother around and oh, like one night cute. our kitchen was quite cold so I like had to bring her up to bed with me and my husband was like honestly you've lost it like you've oh my really God. lost it at this point <laughs> Um but yeah, I've really enjoyed having more time for for things like that and for trying new things. But yeah, in terms of in terms of baking sourdough is terrifying, definitely.
0: Yeah. Do you ever feel like you kind of get so stuck in your cooking that you forget about the world around you?
1: Yeah, I think that's what I love about cooking. I was speaking yeah. to someone the other day who's who's actually a specialty sourdough. She's a baker. And we were talking about exactly this. You know, obviously, I think when you when you start to look at happiness, mindfulness is something that comes up all the time. And yeah, yeah. finding, I don't know about you or anyone listening, but, you know, obviously, I'm sure you're super, super busy and you're juggling 100 things and there's so many things in your head. And I think sometimes it sounds like a nice idea to kind of just like rest, but actually you need distraction from the distraction to help you kind of slow down. And I think
0: mm. mindful
1: activities are really amazing for that and I think baking and cooking is incredible because you can't really be doing other things like yes you can be listening to some lovely music but that's only going to help but you can't be writing your emails as you're chopping as you're stirring I really love that about it because I think it it forces you to take a step away from whatever it is that you're doing and there's something also just I find really kind of uplifting and empowering and brilliant about taking something so simple and making it into something absolutely delicious. And especially if you then share that with, with friends or with family and um, you know, it can be something so simple can be pesto pasta, you know, it really doesn't need to be like a gourmet Michelin star meal with foam and all the rest of it. But there's, there's something just, yeah, I think really calming and really grounding about, about being able to cook. And I think you're right. I think it does kind of really take you away from other things and allow your mind to kind of drift drift off from that
0: Mm, yeah it's a lovely calming thing it's very natural exactly it feels kind of natural to create like that
1: exactly and I think using your hands there's something really really nice about it because it can be as you said kind of very all-consuming in the way that it then takes you away from whatever
0: it is that you're worrying about you know giving somebody something that makes them smile is that it's quite like purposeful.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's like, ah, not only do I make you happy, but I feel happy. It's like a nice little circle.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the people say so much about the power of sharing and of community. And I think, again, exactly being able to create something and then share it is, is something really, really, really special about it.
0: Yeah, it is nice. It's like a hug. We need we need our hugs back.
1: I know. I know. While hugs are on pause, you can bake
0: yeah bake yeah yes. banana
1: bread it's a bit like a hug it kind it's of feels kind of like, like yeah. a hug
0: exactly. oh we need that i read a few things a lot of things about you ella um and i love how honest you are about all of your trials and tribulations that you've had and you mentioned earlier just a few seconds ago about how you had a um you were t- you had a poorly tummy Um, I'm trying to get to the story that you tell about when you made your decision to have a purpose. Yeah. Um, Was that when you were sick or were you just sad?
1: No, no, no. That was when I got sick.
0: Yeah. Ah, okay. How long were you sick? And did you manage (sighs) to fix it?
1: Yes. Yes and no, effectively. So I got, I was kind of, you know, completely normal, whatever the word normal really means.
0: Right. We're not puking all the time. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. Not not actively unwell. Right, right um and you know mentally in a you know reasonably good place most of the time mm-hmm. and I was at uni and then in two so this was in 2011 and literally out of completely nowhere I it really was like I woke up one morning and over the course of two weeks from there I went from being as I said kind of effectively normal to pretty much bed bound and what it transpired to be, I spent the next four months in nap Hospital having literally every test you can imagine. I've had every like endoscopy, colonoscopy, uh, MRI, ultrasound—you know, you name it—I've had it, and um, and they just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And it took yeah, it took about four months, and and it was basically an impairment of my autonomic nervous system. It's called postural tachycardia syndrome. Oh wow! And I couldn't control effectively my autonomic stomach nervous system so i couldn't control properly my um, blood pressure um i couldn't control properly my heart rate so i'd be sitting down and my heart rate would be normal and i'd be and i'd stand up and within seconds it would be 180 190 that's so scary yeah and you um either feel like you're going to pass out or you pass out um that came with chronic fatigue with chronic pain with chronic stomach problems i looked more pregnant during that time, than I did up until I was about seven months pregnant with my daughter. Really? Yeah. And chronic headaches, and you, literally, you name it. I spent two years on antibiotics, had to do antibiotic drips and hospitals for mm. um, chronic bladder infections. And um, oh my God,
0: everything was just going wrong.
1: Literally, everything. In your was body, going everything. Wrong. Yeah. Effectively, my body just stopped working
0: Jeez. in every
1: system as it should. And I obviously really struggled with that mentally as well. I was 21 as well when this started happening.
0: And this just happened overnight? Pretty much. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it started one day and then over the course of the next kind of two to four weeks, it got worse and worse and worse. And then, yeah. And then that's, that's where we ended up.
0: Was there a, was there like a trauma that happened the day before or something? or No, they never,
1: we never been able to figure out where it came from, um, which is, yeah, it's kind of, it's, Pretty fascinating, and that it's sense. quite
0: extreme, isn't it?
1: It was really extreme, and it's interesting. At the time, those like first kind of four, five, six months of all the tests, and then and then getting—I mean, literally like a spreadsheet worth of medication and steroids and all kinds of things. During that period, I was so tired and so sick that I kind of didn't even really register what was happening, and I also still thought that someone was going to give me. A magic answer. You know, I was Mm. just waiting for them to say, oh, yeah, 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 you just take this pill three times a day and then everything will be fine.
0: Yeah, we expect the doctors to know because they're doctors.
1: Exactly. So I thought it would be like tonsillitis in that kind of sense. And it wasn't. And it wasn't Mm. until I tried all the different medications for a couple of months and really came to realize and acknowledge the fact that they weren't really working, they were making very minimal difference. Mm. And that this is where i was now and i'd gone from loving my first two years at uni and having fun and feeling independent and like you know your whole life's in front of you to feeling like i don't think i'll ever be able to have a job oh. you know i don't really know if i can kind of get down the street to Tesco and back and it was really petrifying
0: who was there to help you through it
1: well do you know what if i'm completely honest i struggled so much to acknowledge the reality of the situation and to kind of be vulnerable and and kind of be where I was and I was so kind of embarrassed about being different and about um, not being able to do what everyone else could do that I just really shut myself away oh no so you had to do it all on your own my mum was absolutely amazing and like really there for me throughout but otherwise I really did and I you know in retrospect it was the biggest Mm. mistake I could have ever made because people are so kind and actually like vulnerability invites people in and allows you to connect. And and I was missing that. So, you know, I was too scared to be vulnerable, I think, at that point.
0: Yeah. And love, you know, having love around you can help you heal. Oh my gosh, completely.
1: And and feeling supported and, you know, and ultimately just being honest makes a huge difference with everything. And it took me, it took me about a year or so to kind of... Mm acknowledge the reality and at that point that was when I realized okay look ultimately I can be frustrated that the doctors don't have the answer I can be frustrated that you know all my friends can do this and that and the next thing and I can't I can be frustrated that you know this has changed and that's changed and I can be frustrated with the world all I want but it's not going to change anything like nothing's going to be different Mm. tomorrow um for me, resenting other people, resenting the situation,
0: it would just get worse. You just get sicker,
1: exactly. And ultimately, like you are the only person who can really change your situation. I think in kind of fully acknowledging that it was on me, and really being honest about how bad things were, that was the most important kind of turning point, actually. And um, it was then that I realised, you know, look what I'm currently doing isn't working and like there's no two ways around that so so what else can I do you know can I be proactive and I just started you know researching and learning everything I could about the body and the way that the body works and about how nutrition fits into that Mm. and became absolutely fascinated by it you know I had nothing to lose so I thought you know well look I'm going to change the whole way I live I'm going to change my diet and let's let's see to what extent that helps by no means was it like a magic bullet or you know an answer and it didn't change overnight by any means but over the next two or three years it it did and it and it worked and what it also did is you know it's amazing how empowering it feels when you feel like you kind of take some semblance of control of the situation and you mm. kind of step into the fact that it's up to you to change your life you made a choice exactly it's not up to anybody else and you know obviously everyone else is there to support you and you know you can connect with other people but ultimately like you're responsible for yourself Mm -hmm. naturally I think coming to acknowledge that really really helped
0: so do you think I mean this is a really big conversation in my life at the moment choice and how we are we are responsible for our own happiness um but I've noticed how upset people get when you say that. Completely.
1: Yeah, it's a it's such a hard thing to say. And actually, to be honest, if you had said that to me at any point during
0: those few years, you'd wanted to, like, knock me out. For sure. hundred percent. It's a thing when you're feeling poorly and in pain and someone goes, hey, guess what? you have the power to, you know, to make a certain series of choices. It might take a really long time and be incredibly difficult, but you can change this. They're just like, no, fuck off. No, I can't. This is happening to me.
1: Exactly. And it was literally, you couldn't have summarized it better. And I couldn't have felt that more. And all you want to do is kind of blame other people because it makes it a lot easier and I think you know obviously your whole premise of this is exploring happiness and I think the one thing that I came to really appreciate is the fact that it's actually really hard and I don't think you don't want to say that because it sounds really depressing and negative (laughs) to say oh yeah happiness is hard it's like it's really paradoxical Mm. it just doesn't feel like it makes any sense but at least I found that really to be true like nothing changes overnight you know as you said like you can start making choices And over time, those choices have now become like a very natural part. Mm. And they're kind of innate part of my lifestyle. And it's how... It's a habit now. You created a habit. Exactly. And like doing things that make me feel better, like yoga and cooking and walking and just like treating my body with love and respect.
0: Being kind to yourself. I
1: know that sounds so cheesy, but it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. And over the last like eight, nine years, that's become second nature because that's now how I live. But that took years. And it still takes every day of like consciously making the effort. I actually woke up in such a funk this morning and I was like, no, I'm getting up. I'm going on a walk. Like I'm getting outside. It's a really nice day. Nice. And I took my daughter for a walk for like an hour with our dog and it was so nice. And I got back and it felt so great. And it's just, it's all those tiny, tiny, tiny things. That's good.
0: You're better than me. If I feel in a funk, I'm like, I'm staying in my bed. uh, (laughs) Oh And it never gets better. A one-year-old helps. Oh, yeah, a one year old will probably. I gotta help. say, because she doesn't want to sit still, so it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So she's giving you joy, whether you like it or not, Ella. Oh my gosh. It's,
1: <laughs> it's so interesting. My husband and I talk about this so much. She has taught us. People always say, Oh, you, you tiny kids are so much work. Probably, mm. you know, you've got to teach them everything. Like she's taught us so much, it's unbelievable. And it is actually, I think, a really positive thing it has been for us at least that sense of, you know, it take this morning of waking up feeling in a bit of a funk. And then, yeah. but you've got to get up and you've got to get outside. And actually, the the push that she gives you to do that is actually. Uh, for me at least like a massive positive I remember especially in those first couple of months when you you don't sleep at all you know at 6am and I was like right we're gonna go on like a two-hour walk because otherwise I'm just gonna wallow and it's just amazing
0: it's purpose again isn't it
1: exactly it really is and I think purpose just makes all the difference in your life and having a feeling that you have a reason to kind of get up and that you're excited about things I think it's just so
0: huge and you feed off of their excitement. Kids are so fun, aren't they?
1: Exactly. And they're so excited, you know, always kind of it helps me appreciate the fact that like she's so interested in like a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> and it just shows, <laughs> you know, we don't necessarily so go through the day appreciating everything as much. Do you know what I mean?
0: You just... We don't. We need to water the child within. Right. So we've exactly. all got I have a theory about adults. I think that we're just bigger kids actually, we kind of pretend to not be kids and we try not to be kids. But actually, we really, we really do want to be. We really do want to, I don't know, dance around in a field and mad circles. That's why we drink. It helps us be children.
1: Yeah, get Get rid of the inhibition. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, and we free. don't care
0: what people think about us. Yeah. To just roll around in the hay or something, you know, whatever it is. It's fun. She's like, mummy, remember how amazing spoons are? They're so cool. <laughs> and there's like seven different types of spoons in the house. Oh, so sweet. What's her name? Sky. Sky. Oh, lovely. Beautiful. Congratulations. How old is she?
1: She just turned one and we are having another one in a couple of weeks. So.
0: No way. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so exciting. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So we're going to have two tiny girls under like 14 months imminently. So
0: guess what? What? I'm going to have a little baby too. Oh my God, congratulations. I'm so excited to talk to you because I don't know many other pregnant women. Oh, how are you you getting on? I'm week 17 and I've just stopped being really sick all the time.
1: So feeling really happy.
0: I'm feeling okay, yes. Isn't it mad when you've got someone growing inside of you? Jeez.
1: It's so mad. I'm not sure how you found it, but I found pregnancy a very, especially in the kind of like Happiness and kind of gratefulness, yeah. space—a very interesting conversation because obviously it's an incredible blessing, and it's you know can be a very complicated topic for a lot of people. You know, like feeling feeling so sick for four months—that's rough, isn't it's it? it's Really
0: hard. Well, you had practice though, didn't you? Because you were already so sick for so many months before you were. Pregnant. No, I
1: genuinely think it helped because I was really sick first time around. Yeah, for the first like, four months and. And at this time around also, it's been easier because I think you have more appreciation of the fact that like it ha- it passed, like it will pass. You know, you, it just it's not going to last forever, mm. the sickness. But it is. Um, yeah, it's it's a kind of big mental game, I think, of like managing the anxiety. And yeah, um,
0: yeah my boyfriend kept saying to me, hey, pain is temporary. That's what he kept saying, temporary. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, you try it. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's horrible. Leave me alone. I'm just going to cry. Do you know what, Ella? It's so funny. I woke up in the middle of the night, randomly, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm really scared. I just got really terrified of having to, like, push it out. I know we shouldn't be talking about this because you're really close
1: no it's you're not a few as, weeks away aren't you so it's fine honestly. <laughs> oh it's fine
0: yeah you're only going to split in half and blood will be all over the floor
1: no you won't I promise oh uh, my god it's, um, it's yeah. terrifying It it is but it's um I don't know I got really obsessed with birth and really did you um, do
0: classes and and like group things with other women
1: yeah, and but That's I did nice. I did hypno birthing, and I was really found that incredible, and like couldn't recommend it more highly. And again, it's all about what is that
0: you you like hypnotized whilst you're having a babe? Yeah, you've got to have a look into
1: it. It's it's absolutely this amazing woman called Catherine Graves, who's just like literally one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life, and okay. she's incredible hypno birthing. Um, I can send you her details, but she um. It's not that it then makes the birth easy. Like, you know, it's a physical feat, let's be honest. But
0: Mm. it's about
1: A, like understanding fully what's going on so that Mm. you're empowered in understanding all the sensations in your body. But it's then B, about actually like understanding how to control your mind during birth, to keep yourself calm and to keep yourself, you know, to keep the oxytocin flowing and things like that, which really helps Mm -hmm. um, the process. And so I found that like, immensely 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 helpful everything always comes back full circle it's just again about kind of controlling your mind and controlling your thoughts and trying to be an active participant and like take responsibility in it and yep. and it was really yeah I found Keeping it really, your head. really powerful exactly you don't want to lose it do you yeah and it's easy to lose it because there's a lot going on and yeah. so I think the more you understand it and the more practice you have at controlling the thoughts and trying to keep them positive is, um, yeah, it's really powerful.
0: Mm. My dad has, has this like three choice thing going on. And I I feel like the more I talk to you, I feel like you're going to agree with this. He said, you only have three choices in life. And if you can come up with a fourth, Ella, I will love you forever because I've been trying. And um, he's just, he's like, nah, you can't come up with a fourth. It doesn't exist. And I suppose it is all about having control over your world, right? Because if you are aware of your choices, you have control over you in a way. The first choice, and it's not in any order, it depends what the what the subject is or what your issue is in your life. It's um, put up and shut up, change it or get out. Those are your three choices. I mean, hey, if anyone's listening to this and can come up with a fourth, please text me, let me know. <laughs> because I would love to say to my dad, I found a fourth, but no, I don't, I don't think there is one. Put up and shut up, change it or get out.
1: No, I think he's right. You can, you can rephrase them.
0: Yeah, go on. Yeah. Rephrase them so they're nicer and kinder so people (laughs) don't think, why would you tell me to put up and shut up? I think there's probably a lot to learn
1: from that. And I think that's definitely something I appreciate and definitely felt in my life is it's just like acknowledge what it is and then deal with it, deal with it or, Mm. or don't and leave it. But but acknowledge that you've consciously made the decision to leave
0: it. Yeah. I can't believe what a funny subject it is, you know, having, having these choices. I can't believe how it's so controversial. So you're, um you're a team with your hubby. Yeah,
1: we are. Yeah. We work together.
0: How does that, how does that go? Is it like, what's the roles?
1: Do you know what? Actually, I have to say it's pretty traditional. I think it's, We started working together in 2015. So, yeah, it's been five years almost exactly now. We started working together after three months of knowing each other. Oh. Yeah. Were you
0: together then? Yeah,
1: we we met. We went on a first date on a Thursday, second date on Sunday, moved in together the following Thursday.
0: Oh, you were totally in love at first sight.
1: Yeah, it was it truly was. And then we were engaged, had a dog, and were working together all within about three months.
0: Oh, my um, giddy on
1: that first date. So, um, yeah.
0: wow, that's a whirlwind.
1: Yeah, we don't do things by halves, I think I've come to realize both of us. Oh, that's um, gorgeous. What a lovely story. So far, so good. Luckily, I mean, everyone thought at the time that we were completely in completely insane which is fair enough to be. You're
0: mad, but you are madly in love. That's the best kind of mad to be.
1: We felt so strongly that we that we knew and and it seems like we were right about it. But yeah, and we decided to start working together cuz when I'd got ill and I um decided that I would change the way that I was living. My godmother She had had ME, which is like chronic Uh, fatigue, but kind of more extreme when she had been about the same age. Yeah, you look just kind of like completely incapacitated by exhaustion effectively. Mm. And she said the thing that saved her was a hobby because obviously you can't be like out and about doing everything. And for her, it had been photography. And she was like, I just, if I can just give you one piece of advice is that you need a hobby. You you just can't keep just sitting anymore because I was just spending hours and hours and hours on the sofa or in bed, not able to do stuff, just refreshing Facebook and watching Grey's Anatomy. And it's great for a couple of days. And then nine months later, it's you sad. Kind of feel like you're rotting. It doesn't help in any shape or form. And Mm-mm. also watching what's going on in other people's lives when it's not in yours is, again, not necessarily helpful mm. when you can't do anything about it. And so, so I thought, OK, actually, no, she's completely right. So I decided I would couple that with this newfound interest in the body and in nutrition and in our well-being and in natural healing, and so I, um, so I thought I'd start writing about it, and I would learn to cook um, because I hated healthy food. I hated vegetables. Oh. I was like the ultimate Ben and Jerry's girl. So this was like a serious- <laughs> you didn't like how it tastes. Couldn't stand vegetables. Yeah, right. absolutely hated them. I just ate cereal and pasta basically, like a classic student. That's diet. why
0: you were poorly. Yeah, but I, I think
1: probably not as simple as that. But you never know.
0: <laughs> I mean, it would be part of it. You need nutrients to live. Exactly. So I thought
1: I would, um, I would learn to cook properly, and yeah. um, and so I started recording it on a on a website, deliciousella and that's where that's where this all came from that's kind of when and where and why it began. So did
0: you just like pick up a broccoli and go, "I hate you, but I'm going to I am going to love you." Literally. Huh. You got it. Love it. And, Brilliant.
1: Yeah, and I was like, how do we make this interesting? How to make how do we make this something that we actually want to do every mm-hmm. single day? And so that that's really where it came from, but what I realized is that it was really important to keep doing that and to like have a project and so I kept sharing you know, and I wasn't sharing it for other people. I was just doing it for myself. But I kept trying to find new recipes and trying to find new ways of doing it and then learning to f- photograph it and upload it and share it onto our website. Mm.
0: Um,
1: I didn't show anyone for a few months. And then after a couple of months, I showed some friends and they showed some friends and it, it grew and it grew really quickly. And in the first couple of years, I had something like 150 million hits. And
0: Oh, wow. That's monstrous it was well done insane. That's, that's amazing good for you and
1: then uh yeah our first book came out at the beginning of 2015 and it it kind of exploded and it went and became like the best-selling debut cookbook ever in the UK and it was all very unexpected and brilliant but mm. also so unexpected and I suddenly there were loads of interesting opportunities but I was so young and didn't really know what to do with everything and was quite kind of Bit overwhelmed by it, and I was sort of trying to hire people, and I but I'd never had another job before because I started this at uni. You know, I'd never been in an office, and so I was like, "Hi, like, are you nice? Do you like kale? (laughs) Can you cook quinoa? (laughs) Do you like guacamole?"
0: Hiring people is so difficult. (laughs) You can get it so wrong.
1: Exactly, and especially if you've got no experience yourself in in the other seat, it's it's hard, and then. He's eight years older than I am and had been working and and also was interested in the parts that I wasn't interested in. I was interested in the recipes and the ideas and he loves a good spreadsheet and a good Excel model and understanding cash flow. Oh, you're Uh, a
0: perfect match then. You're perfect yin to yang.
1: Exactly. So we figured that if we were doing it together, then that would kind of allow us to to do so much more and, and share what we were doing with so many more people. ACAST recommends LGBTQ creators who are making an impact this month and
0: beyond. Tune in for your new favorite show. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like Below Deck, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. Okay, please tell me y'all are watching this new season of 90 Day with Bilal, Emily, Mohammed, it's the mess bestiest season yet and you know you need your gay besties to talk about all the drama and cringe jam-packed into every episode so come at us y'all find reality gays wherever you get your podcast yes.
1: so we started working together and it was it was relatively hard at the beginning only because you know the- anyone's ever worked in a startup or you know in a small company when there's only like three or four of you Mm. everyone does everything like you can technically have a job title but it doesn't really mean anything Mm. but then as the company grew and and more and more people came on board and and we started to to do more and more and have a big office and everything, we've mm-hmm. been able to kind of completely separate. So he, we are in about like seven thousand stores now with our food products, cereals and snacks and stuff. And so he oversees all. How the many? Sorry, fa- what did you just say? About seven thousand stores
0: in the 7, UK. Seven thousand stores. Yeah. Good on you, girl. This is cool. What a great story. This is amazing. And this is all from a moment where you just felt terrible. And decided to make a choice to make yourself feel better. This is all coming from that.
1: Just shows everything can have a silver lining because if you said to me you know, when I was really sick and I was in hospital, this will be the best thing that will ever happen to you. I literally would have said, I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah. I literally just want to <laughs> yeah.
0: kill you. It's
1: just as simple as that. Get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been more true. And it is, you know, gave a purpose and, and a you know, I met my husband You met it the love and, of your
0: life. That's like the most yeah. magical bit, I think.
1: And every day I get to do something that I'm really excited about and that I'm really passionate about and yeah. that I really care about and then being able to grow that with your husband like there's something I mean don't get me wrong like it has its ups and downs and it's hard moments and it's challenges but like it it's the best thing that could have ever, 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 ever happened in my life and it never would have happened mm. without having a really, really negative start so the worst thing became the best thing and I think it's um, I mean that in itself is like an amazing life lesson to learn in your 20s I think
0: yeah your kind of mind over matter attitude and your your food intake would you say that those two things together um helped you stop being so sick or is there something I'm missing
1: no I think it's you know I definitely came to appreciate that I think our health is such a 360 thing I think it's you know the way we eat but it's also our stress levels and our relationships both yeah both with exactly the people around us and with ourselves and I got
0: very into yoga and do you think that um, hubby had had a part in your healing?
1: Yeah, I'm sure he did because he's a very calming, he's super calming, he's very relaxed. And, you know, I think stable, loving relationships are one of the most powerful things you can ever have in yeah. your life. They they also give it such meaning. So I'm absolutely sure, I'm absolutely sure all of it comes together to have a powerful impact. And I, I think sometimes primarily what we do is food and i sometimes find it frustrating that i think people look so much you know when they're looking at their health and their well-being people look so much at food and they're so quick to say oh well i want to feel better so i'm going to change the way i eat Mm. and and it's not to say that that won't and can't have a profound effect but i think you know you can't just look at broccoli in isolation yeah and i think yeah I've, i've definitely come to appreciate how much that is the case
0: Mm, it's all the other things in life it's your quality of life in in everything like you say 360
1: exactly again it's easier to change what you're making for dinner possibly than it is to like alter the relationships you have in your life and the impact they're having on you and i really do appreciate that like it's it's much easier just to like stir rice and broccoli than it is to like look you know hard at some of the bigger parts of your life but i've definitely come to appreciate that Mm. yeah i think all these things really add up
0: yeah So you made some really big, important decisions and you you decided to actually take that step. Now, what intrigues me about people that decide to take that step and those that don't is like the, the why, you know, so why is it, when you made the second step and the third and the fourth, I feel I've heard many stories and listened to lots of people that just struggle to take the second, third and fourth step, but they do the first one a lot. It's like really tiring, to get knocked back so much, you know, if you're trying to be happier or if you're trying to, well, it's always to try and be happier. But if you're trying to, I don't know, find love or lose weight or, I don't know, get a better job, they'll kind of go, right, I'm going to do this diet or I'm going to do, I'm going to read this self-help book or whatever it is. And the first step is like, good, I can do that. But then the second one comes and the third one comes and, and it's just... It's just like a knockback. So obviously you're not that person. You didn't get knocked back. You kept going. Would you have any advice for people that struggle to make the second and third and fourth steps?
1: I think it's such a good question. And I think it's such an important question as well, because I eventually definitely did make the third, fourth, fifth, sixth and so on step, but I definitely failed them a few times along the way. Mm -hmm. And I definitely stumbled upon them. And I think we so want things in life to be quick and we so want them to be linear you know we so want to make the decision mm. as you said and, and make that first decision mm. and we want it to lead to the second and third and fourth and actually like it's so squiggly like <laughs> yeah you know it's just life's so squiggly and it goes goes down and upside down and round and round in circles before it goes up again and yeah I've I found that really really difficult and I remember having periods where I felt like I was getting better and then I'd have you know two weeks where I was in so much pain again and infections were back and heart oh, really? pal- palpitations were really bad and I was back in bed and And you'd think well why I'm trying so hard like yeah. I'm meditating I'm doing like restorative yoga I am juicing I am having broccoli <laughs> like I'm doing everything no one could be doing more than I'm doing today and yeah I'm still back and The one thing that my mum would always say to me, and she was so right, was that like, okay, but your bad day today is better than your bad day six months ago.
0: Oh, good advice, mum. Yeah, that's a great thing to say. Mm. And I
1: always thought that was good again because I think sometimes we do make progress and we don't acknowledge the fact that we've made progress because it's not as much progress Mm -hmm. as we would potentially like. That can be a challenge. But it is really hard. I mean, and again, I think having a why is so important like having a purpose like why do you want to make that change Mm. and for me it was actually realizing that like I'd never be able to have really meaningful I I didn't feel I could have like really meaningful relationships in my life because I couldn't really do anything and you know I wanted to get married and I wanted to have kids or you know I wanted to have the opportunity to do those things
0: yeah of course like let's
1: be honest like You're never going to meet, you know, how are you going to meet people? Yeah. (laughs) You can't do anything. If you can't go out, how can you? And so I think it was just starting to, for me, it was, you know, that was a really big part of it. And it was like, you know, I I can't be with my friends. I can't be a part of my friends right now. And trying to get to the next point is worth the pain of it because the end goal is so much bigger. And, you know, and I've definitely found that like it's same, you know, starting a company is Incredible, and getting to do something you're passionate about is incredible. But getting a startup off the ground is really, really, really hard. And there's like a million times that you think you're going to go bust, and mm. sleepless nights, and you know, literally working like 18 hours a day, 365 days a year. And it's you know, had really tough, exhausting, very, very, very high stress moments. Part of you thinks, why am I doing this? Like, quit mm. to get an, you know, quote unquote, normal job have a social life again, like being able to be able to do that. And then it was like, no, because actually I want to change the way that people eat. I want to make a more natural plant-based way of living, something that's available and accessible and exciting to people. And mm. I have the opportunity to do that. You know, you get a message from someone saying, this has really impacted my life. And you think, okay, well, like, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Again, it's, it's worth like digging your way out of the challenging situation. But I think if you don't have that why... Yeah then as you said making that second third fourth fifth step is really really hard because when something's hard i think it's just human nature to say oh god can't be bothered yeah what's and the point if
0: there's no why really truly what is the point
1: exactly and so i think yeah. you've got to know exactly why it is you're trying to do something mm-hmm. and like really really identify that and i think it has to you know it has to be a meaningful answer to the why
0: yeah you're actually kind of making the world well not kind of you're making the world a better place that's quite nice do you ever think about that but you're making the world a happier place and a healthier place
1: that's what we're trying and it's like it's just simple things like you know just in the UK like only one in four adults manages to eat their five a day one in five kids right. and you know we know that it ideally is even more than that and again we know they link for example to our gut health and then that our gut health linked to our mental health and yeah. so on and so forth and like you start to realise there's a reason you're told to eat your broccoli and that it's actually really important. And we're so far away from all doing it in the way that we need to do it. And so if we can just make a small impact on people changing the way that they eat, it just feels so, for me, it feels so meaningful and you know, and genuinely really important. It's a real privilege to get to wake up and do that. And so even when you're exhausted and even when you're burnt out, you still want to do it.
0: It's a purpose outside of you. You know, it's not exactly. it's not for you, really. It's actually for everyone else. And and it's, yeah, I think that kind of is deeper in a way.
1: It's definitely a bigger driver,
0: yeah. I think. It sounds like the encouragement in your life has been really important from, you know, your mum and getting like a message from someone saying, hey, you helped me change my health. I think encouragement is something that not everybody has readily available. It's like, oof. If your if your environment is toxic, if you're surround if your family is toxic, or if your friends are toxic, and if they don't want you to succeed, if every time you come up with an idea they're like, Oh, don't be so stupid, don't do that. That can be really unhelpful. So I suppose people have to make some really serious decisions as to kind of decipher, hang on, is my environment encouraging me? Very difficult to do, but you know. But
1: I think there's a net and I think that's at least in my experience that's where vulnerability has come in as well Is I think the more you're able to be kind of genuinely completely kind of open and transparent and honest with people that the more you're able to like really foster those connections.
0: Yeah you're very honest and everything that, that you say which I think is like brilliant because it helps people to understand you and where you're coming from um and I wanted to ask you a question and I didn't know whether it was sensitive but then the more I looked into you I realized that you're not really sensitive to it
1: I know I'm an oversharer by nature which is great
0: yes and I think that's really good and I think I could take a leaf out of your book really I started singing when I was like a babe and I remember doing interviews with people that were like you're so young and you're English and you're white, so you really you really can't have any pain in your life. I mean, you just don't. And you're a soul singer, so how are you singing these emotional songs when you don't have any pain? And instead of kind of giving them examples of pain, and I still now, I still have similar conversations, um, instead of going, well, actually, this, this, and this, and this, and this, I just go, well, I do and I kind of keep it all to myself because it's like I don't know I feel worried about sharing anything that is negative but you've been really honest about how your your family has been and the thing that happened with your dad and you know I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that so people can understand like people go through ups and downs it doesn't matter whether you're born into a very poor family or a very rich family people do feel pain. And I wanted to ask you how that has helped, you know, sharing that with not just sharing it with the group in the pub, but sharing it with 1000s of people. How has that helped you in yourself? And how has it helped your family in a way? Like, is it cathartic? Is it kind of therapeutic? It's a very brave thing to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, and it's definitely it wasn't my natural instinct at all growing up um, to be an oversharer and it definitely is my instinct now and I think Mm. what I realised so much is that I think people are inspired by people like we can say things as much as we want but I think it's the stories it's personal stories that at least I've always taken so much inspiration from and I know when I was sick it was other people sharing their stories of well I did this and you know it was hard but this made a massive difference for this reason or that reason and you know both with their mental health and physical health and that openness made me think well look if she can do it I can do it or he can do it I can do it mm. and I I just took so much from that and I guess that became really ingrained in me and and what I then started to realize is I then you know shared my whole story and why I was doing what I was doing and where delicious yellow had come from Mm. and what I then realized is that as soon as I started doing that people would always come up to me and even like at a friend's wedding or something quite random and someone I really didn't know at all you know someone's girlfriend's brother or you know whatever it was and say you know look actually like I've been experiencing this or I've been experiencing that Mm. and no one knows and I don't want to tell people but like I really shouldn't be drinking tonight because I'm actually on this medication but you know I don't want to tell anyone and What I realised is that actually it was just like we all have these different experiences. It's just such an innate part of being human Mm. and we don't talk about them enough, which makes us, I think, inherently unhappy. And that's what I did to myself when I was sick is not share it and not connect with anyone over it as a result. And actually, like the more I started to open up, the more I realised like how normal it is to go through these highs and lows and how normal it is to go through difficult periods. Totally.
0: Everybody does in one way or another.
1: Exactly and I think you know that like we live in a weird world in in this in the kind of social media space and the fact that we have such access to other people's lives and we always kind of feel like everyone's got it better than us and and our life's difficult and their lives easy and you know obviously different privileges make life easier for all kinds of reasons but I think at the same time as you said there's no one even if you've had an easier start for some reasons there's
0: there's other reasons why you don't, yeah.
1: And there's no such thing as perfect. And mm. you know, someone was like, Oh, you know, you're Matt, my husband, you know, you've had the perfect relationship. And I was like, actually, three days after we got engaged.
0: You punched him straight in the nose.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was like, Yeah, literally like three days after we got engaged, my parents told us they were getting divorced. Oh, we found God. out my dad was actually in a relationship with someone else. And, you know, and actually my dad was gay and there was, you know, a lot to unravel there and you know, and then a year later my mother in law was diagnosed with terminal cancer and she passed away a year after that. And so it's and and look, and these are normal parts of life, like death and divorce, and it's not that that these experiences are inherently kind of unique to us at all and it's if, not all
0: if, roses though is it life is not all roses no really.
1: and i think that's exactly and and that's just that's just again the reality of it and i think mm. it's the more we normalize that the better and i think one of the biggest misconceptions with happiness is that it has to exist on its own and it doesn't like it doesn't you don't have to be happy every single day and you won't always be you can't
0: happy. be it's impossible if you don't have sadness you can't recognize happiness yeah
1: exactly and and like really crappy things will happen and even if you're really privileged and there are lots of beautiful amazing things in your life Mm. it's not that you won't go through 80 90 100 years of your life without having negative experiences as well and I think just the more we're able to be open about that and when we say to each other like how are you not just say yeah I'm fine when actually like you're anything but
0: answer properly answer
1: Yeah, because it's normal to be like, well, actually, look, this is going on. And it's really difficult because people will be able to relate, I think, more than we think that they will.
0: Do you know what? I wonder if sometimes when people hear about other people's sadness, this is going to sound really sadistic, but I wonder if it makes them feel not happier, but more comforted.
1: Yeah, because you don't feel alone. And I think and that's the point is it's like human emotion is so it's really such a collective thing and it's not something that you experience as an isolated individual Mm. you know there are a lot of shared experiences and you might be experiencing them in different ways but a lot of sadness comes from similar experiences around you know family relationships and you know career bits of your career and and other people will have experienced similar things
0: Mm. are you happy
1: Do you know what? I genuinely have to say, hands on heart, I really am the happiest I have ever been. I think that's for so many different reasons, but I am really committed to being happy, and I'm sure that that has a huge part in it. I think I've come to like really appreciate and like realize who I am. You know, I've like really realized, especially this year. Like, I'm naturally it's really weird because I'm an overshare and I like that, but I'm such an introvert. Like, I get my energy and my joy from being at home. Like, yeah. that is that is my biggest thing, and I love
0: it. Your baby, your lovely man, and your little bump. Oh, it's so joyful.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think just acknowledging that's been so great.
0: Yeah. Do you live out in the countryside?
1: I wish. No, we still live in London, but... Ah.
0: I'm surprised. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I frolic in the fields in the morning. No, no. (laughs) Commute commute to (laughs) Soho. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Well, it's so lovely to hear your stories. It's very encouraging and I hope people feel as encouraged as I do. Oh, thank
1: you for having me. It's lovely,
0: lovely hearing everything that you have to say. Brilliant. I cannot wait to get home to open up that cookbook and make some beautiful vegan food that's going to bring me joy.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I hope you enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I will. Thank you, darling.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.